0: I'm Katie Trigidden, and this is Circular, a podcast exploring the intersection of craft, design and sustainability. Join me as I talk to the thinkers, doers and makers of the circular economy. These are the people who are challenging the linear take-make-waste model of production and consumption and working towards something better. In this series, we're talking about waste.
1: When I used to go to school, I remember... Been just actually quite shocked at the amount of uh, toxic waste being discharged into the rivers. Um, I'm from uh, Bilbao, northern Spain. And so in the 80s, I think there was not much regulation. Uh, and I used to go, When I go up, I'm going to stop this.
0: An early adopter of social media in the fight against waste. Ander Zabala studied environmental earth sciences at Aberystwyth University, followed by a master's in environmental impact assessment. He worked for Greenpeace and Waste Watch before embarking on a 15-year career in waste reduction, prevention, and championing the circular economy for the London Borough of Hackney, working across community engagement, data analytics, and infrastructure. But waste reduction is more than just a day job. He practices what he preaches too. He was recently featured as one of the Guardian's Zero Waste Warriors and is also an ambassador for Zero Waste Week, which in 2020 is from the 7th to the 11th of September. Tell me a little bit about your childhood and the role that the idea of waste or reuse played when you were growing up. So I feel like my mum was always the
1: the one who was... In the house, I was trying to reuse and, and never waste anything. So I feel like it's, it's, it's part genetics because I'm, I'm like her, but also I just think it, it makes sense in, in terms of on the, the in the environment that I grew up. I kind of felt like when I was grew up, uh, when I was growing up, I saw the news and I remember being eight years old and I was um, actually petrified when I saw the ozone layer holes, and that actually got me uh, into reading more about magazines that I used to read, especially uh, on holidays, and we didn't have social media back then, so I was always consuming magazines and local uh, newspapers. So a mixture of uh, genetics, environment, and just a conscious decision to actually do something about improving the the local area that I I used to live in. When I used to go to school, I remember being just actually quite shocked at the amount of uh, toxic waste being discharged into the rivers. Um, I'm from um, bilbao northern spain and so in the 80s i think there was not much regulation uh, and i used to go when i grow up i'm gonna stop this and um, obviously i was i was nine years old um, i haven't stopped that i've done other things in, in in my career but i haven't stopped toxic waste discharge um, so i think i i feel like it's been a mix of genetics and growing up in the 80s when i think uh, there was more environmental things coming into the public agenda but it is true that when I talked to other people, they, they didn't really seem to care. So I kind of felt I was a little bit on my own in that sense. But yeah, so it's one of the main reasons I actually came to England. I wanted to do environmental science. I couldn't do that degree in Spain because it it's very complicated uh, points of, it's a little bit like having A stars and not being able to be selected to the to uni. And back then in 1998, when I did my I finished my high schools. So I didn't really have the grades to get into the wow. environmental science degree that I wanted to, um, so I basically ended up coming to England and wanted to do environmental science, which is why I came to England. And actually, it wasn't England; it was Wales, Aberystwyth, uh, in
0: 1988. Yeah. And you had a your career seems very direct, you know, you studied environmental science at university, both undergraduate and postgraduate. And you then went to work for Greenpeace, Waste Watch. And then you've been at Hackney Council for 15 years, working in recycling and and waste reduction. So you seemed very clear from a very young age, what it was that you wanted to do. Yes, I mean, it it feels like
1: what I'm doing at work at the moment is is almost like I fell into it. But I also wanted to do waste. So I think when you want to do something about the environment, you've got so much to select from, whether it's improving water, whether it's reducing waste, whether it's recycling, whether it's actually uh, solar panels. So I kind of like I had a lot to choose from in, in that sense. But. I, I felt, uh, waste was actually the easiest thing that I, I could do in a personal level. And I used to nag my family in 1990 when I was 10 to start using the recycling services that we were offered by the local authorities back in past country. So I realized that I was actually quite, uh, pedantic in, in that sense. I actually, and my husband says I, I should just be a counselor because, you know, you're quite annoying at, at what you do. So basically you end up getting people to do it just so that I agree with you. So basically, yeah, I ended up being able to promote recycling at Waste Watch, like you said, when I came back after finishing my degree. um that's why I went door knocking in South London. And I remember promoting recycling and getting people not to contaminate the recycling. But back then in 2002, that was, that was, heavy, uh, it was more challenging. They thought this was more of a European regulations being imposed in, in Britain, but, you know, people have got used to it now. Recycling is just a lot a social norm for for many people. Yeah, I think I feel like recycling is now treated uh, as a, something I do, so I, I don't do I don't need to do anything else. Um uh, which is why I'm I'm trying to do more than that at the moment with work and on a personal level with zero waste.
0: So tell me what your job involves on a on a day-to-day basis now.
1: Right, so it's all very much the same in the sense of doing emails, emails, emails. But what I do in those emails is planning communications campaigns and and strategies, delivering single-use plastic campaigns at a local level. So we're trying to deliver a local low plastic zone in Dalston uh, with businesses and residents. I'm also doing contracts with uh, different charities so that they collect uh, furniture reuse collections from households that. They don't want to throw away a good furniture that is in good condition, because if they give it to the council, we will recycle it or we will dispose of it. And we don't have the the means to to reuse it ourselves. So that's why we partner with charities. Um, And so it's about procuring contracts, campaigns. And one of the last things I'm I'm actually quite excited about uh, uh, delivering is the library of things is another uh, social enterprise in south london uh, based in crystal palace at the moment uh, where you pay a fee for a small item such as a drill or a carpet cleaner and um, so they have got a business model that works and um, so we went to them and we wanted to develop this in hackney so just to say obviously i'm working in a council so we have to deliver the manifesto commitments from the labor group that we uh, are in. At the moment in the administration. So there's a strong uh, will from the current administration to deliver circular economy projects, uh, which is actually fascinating because recycling is okay, but we need to move on from that at the moment. We need to start reusing and doing more uh, hiring.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It was always reduce, reuse, recycle. But as you say, everyone seems to have jumped on to recycle and think, tick, I'm doing that, I'm off the hook. So why is waste such a problem? And why is it so important that we reduce waste and reuse things before we get to the recycling bit of the three R's? I think the three R's, every kid, I feel like if they were born in the 80s or 90s, or at
1: least in Spain, I'm not sure about England, because I wasn't here back then. It feels like they memorized it, but they don't know what it means. Only when people started doing recycling, it's almost like people should be doing the first three hours, which is reduced, which it does mean stop consumption and consumption is so linked to psychology. That is so hard to deal with. So, People were told to reuse, which we do in a sense, but not in the sense that we have to, we need to change the whole system. It's kind of a, a, the structure of, of the way we deliver the businesses and how consume is so geared to to that linear economy. We need to start moving to a reuse economy. And at, at the moment we can see like, the economy is not really working. How can we make that better? So we need to bring that circular model more into, into services. So I think people started recycling, and they they just left it there. And in a way, we did have to start recycling because it's an easier form of behaviour change. But we do need to start people to stop reducing and reusing and repairing. Um, But we do obviously need a lot more government um, advice and will to do it at the moment a lot of it is coming from the bottom-up approach so you get a lot of communities a lot of residents to do this and including businesses as well obviously they they're they're using what they have in order to get a a living and because they got conscious. and i think nationally and internationally i think the conscience to do this is is now taking i think there's a lot more more in the public minds to do this so why it's important we really can we don't really have much time to do this at the moment. And I think recycling is a good thing and people can do it, but they need to start moving on
0: to the first three R's, which is reduce and reuse and repair. And you're, you know, sort of taking this on board and practising what you preach at home as well as at work and trying to move to sort of a, what they call a zero waste existence. What prompted that decision? What made you sort of think, right, I've got to really take this seriously at home? So it was... Two things. The first one was work. So uh,
1: the obviously I, I've been working in 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 the sector for about 15 years. But recently, we uh, in the Hackney Council has brought a, a proposal that has been put forward, which is we can bring reduce their waste collections to every fourth night. So two thirds of UK local authorities are already doing this. So we're kind of behind. London is quite behind in this sense. So. That is the main thing. I wanted to check, how long can I go without putting my waste out? I was already good, and you will expect that I'll be good at recycling, being a recycling manager for a a local authority. I felt, how far can I go without putting my waste It started with a zero waste week uh, in 2018. I said, how much waste can I create if I really consciously think about what I do every single day, every single minute? So I did quite well, but I realized I could do more. So I went, maybe I I don't have to put my waste for a month. And then it basically became two months. uh, and, And the more I was doing things, it became three months. So basically by December, 31st of December, 2018, I decided to speak to my husband and said, we, I'm going to put this challenge. I'm going to have a social media contract with everyone. I back then, obviously, had 20, 20 followers in, in my account. But obviously, I call my family and friends that are watching me. And I also i am doing this in LinkedIn in my sector. So it's a lot more pressure for me to do this. And if I do it, that means I will definitely challenge myself to change my behavior, even though I thought it was quite, quite good. So that was the main reason. The main reason was if I'm asking my residents to not have the waste collected every week, but have it collected every two weeks, we keep them recycling weekly. So that's still fine. It's just the waste. And if you look at it, there's hardly any, anything left that is not recyclable these days. So that's the main thing. If I'm asking residents, how far can I go? Can I go more than a month? Can I go a year? If I can do a, a year, I'm pretty sure residents could, could last Two weeks without having the waste collected so it's a mix of work and then on a passion level because the more i looked into it I, I was kind of hungry to see more to be more transparent about what i do with the things so i went to the energy from waste plant and um, which in plain english means incinerator the incinerator it was kind of a shocking experience uh, you go there the scale of the magnitude of one single incinerator in London, I think there's about, uh, uh, don't quote me, uh, but I think there's about four or five just in London. It's constant. They have called tracks going into the incinerator. You, I was wearing the the full bodysuit, the PPE goggles. It was pretty, when you go to the balcony and you see the grabbers just collecting all the waste. And you can see, I can see it recycling in there. And it was just breaking my heart to see how much of it, it's it just been bent forever and creating some air pollution or even though they are really well filtered it's still creating pollution and these items are just being nearly, they've just been thrown away with been most of it being single use and you can see yeah. furniture you can see all sort of things so it's kind of that realization like i don't want to be part of this i, I need to change the way i do things as well so it's almost like, why are vegetarians vegetarians? Why do they not eat meat? Because they don't want to be part of that industry. So in a sense, I, I didn't want to be part of contributing into that linear economy. I'm by no means perfect. It's just about the way I saw the waste out. So the linear economy, just I need to change this. It's, it was, so it, was, it started with work. I ended up being on a personal level.
0: Absolutely. I've had similar experiences at our local tip. And you just sort of see the things that are being thrown away. And you're like, that's a perfectly good bookshelf. What's going on? But this is my question, because I'm always coming home with kind of crazy eco schemes. How did you get your husband on board?
1: (laughs) So I I did do a a blog about it. And he says, well, I have no choice. (laughs) So I think it's a bit of a we obviously have got um, different values. So we got very similar values, but in a sense, we brought our values together. So he's always been the vegetarian and now being a person in the relationship. So I slowly, slowly adapted my eating and my diet. So I became about 95% plant-based at home after we did the veganary um, about two years ago. So I kind of said, well, do you mind if we just do this? Um, Obviously, I didn't probably tell him exactly what I was doing. I said, I will buy all the food. Uh, He's the cook. And so he said, you know what, as long as you do it, I'm fine. But obviously, it didn't mean that if he ever bought something through those 365 days, that I will be checking his bags. So yes, it it did become a bit stressful at times when I will tell him off about a plastic bag or a a, a single-use material. But he did see that there was benefits to it. So it's, he loves cooking. He comes from a mixed uh, race ethnicity group. So he's Kashmir and also Iris. So, but he's also loved cooking also in international diet uh, cuisine. So he wanted to always do chapatis and naan bread from scratch. And he never really had that kind of push. So in a way, you could say that the Zero Waste journey helped him become a better cook. He was already a, be- a better cook. Um, I'm not sure whether he's listening or he he will listen to this, but he definitely, he saw the benefits to it. But that's not to say there were stressful moments when I will um, tell him off about a plastic bag and and you said, Jesus, this is quite a middle class thing to be shouting about. But obviously, I have relaxed a, a lot more since then.
0: No, I'm trying to go plastic free in my bathroom at the moment. And my husband's getting so exasperated by sort of those solid soaps that aren't so solid and just fall apart. <laughs> That's the debate in our house at the moment. You mentioned Veganuary and Zero Waste Week. Do you think these sort of national weeks where we ask people to try these things are a good way to bring about behaviour change rather than sort of saying to someone, right, commit to this for the rest of your life, just sort of saying do it for January or do it for a week? Absolutely, I. It's not for everyone.
1: It won't work for everyone. But if it works for a a certain number of residents or, and I call it residents, but I mean people, it definitely works. I think you can see the mindset in terms of diets have changed a lot uh, over the last two to three years. And um, obviously, veganism has been for more than that. um that has helped push that mindset. And I think a lot of people do want some challenges and that challenge uh, to to see whether you will eat less meat or you will stop eating meat Well. Uh, completely. That has worked. And it, this is why I'm now uh, a zero waste weekend amb- ambassador for this year. I want to make sure that residents and people, uh, and neighbors and friends actually just take a moment, uh, to change their behavior. Behavior change is so inbuilt in what we do every day. So I always, I always compare a, uh, changing your behavior like if if it was you going to the gym, it, it hurts at, at the beginning, you will have cramps and you, your brain is exactly the same. The way we think is exactly the same as going to the gym. It hurts at the beginning, but once you, you, you get into that habit, it becomes automatic behavior and you don't even think about it. So you need a push and it's whether it's a structural, systematic change or at a personal level, a combination of both will be perfect. We do obviously need legislation from government, but we can start all from from our own personal lifestyles and change it that way. And then maybe we can start uh, promoting and campaigning and voting the right political parties in order to get that change at the government level.
0: Absolutely. So if you're a Zero Waste Week ambassador, shall we give it a shout out and see if we can recruit some of our listeners? When is it happening and what do people need to do?
1: So Zero Waste Week 2020 will start on the 7th of September. It will end on the 11th. Of that month obviously you can carry on doing it for longer this year's uh, theme is about food waste people don't what? see food waste as an issue because it's organic it's natural it will decompose so there's two things to that if you leave it in landfill it will produce methane which is about 20 times worse than carbon dioxide and we all know the problems with carbon dioxide but the amount of food that we throw away is shocking because we don't value it in a way i think food is too cheap. Some people will disagree with that. Um, and I think we can we, we need to help those that don't have uh, food in the plate. But those that have it, which is majority in the UK, we don't value it as much. Um, and so we need to reduce food waste as much as we can. So this is it's about food waste. But the main thing about the Zero Waste Week is about checking what you have the week before zero waste, see how much food or recycling and waste you throw away make a note of it so you, you can have it like a diary if you live on your own it's easier if you don't live on your own and you live with your flatmates, you can just keep a bin for yourself and only take into account what you throw away and then the actual week of the zero waste week you make conscious decisions to not get that coffee coffee cup or you don't throw the salad that's about to go off you can cook the, the salad as a spinach. Uh, you can go online and see what can you cook with uh, food that is about to go off, or if the use by date is it, is about to get close and you don't want to eat it, put in the freezer. Start being more fridge and freeze portion control, and so there's a lot of things you can do for food waste. But the main thing about zero waste is to the week before check what you throw away, and then after that make sure that you have looked into the, your main waste items and see how can you avoid from being in, in your waste bin after that. So some people will say a week is not enough, and it's more about whether you, you can carry on doing it. I did, uh, and, I, and I feel like I, I, I did massive changes because of that. If a week is enough for a lot of people to, to start looking at what they produce and what can they stop using.
0: After a short break, we'll be back to find out why Ander keeps his waste in a glass jar How starting small can produce big results, and why we need to move from recycling to reusing and refilling. If you're a designer maker, here's what I want you to know: none of this is your fault. Climate change, ocean acidification, falling biodiversity levels, none of it. But you do get to be part of the solution. And the best part: that gets to be creative collaborative and filled with wide-eyed curiosity remember that visit katietrickiddon.com forward slash membership and leave your eco guilt at the door find a community of fellow travelers clear actionable steps you can take today and all the support you need to join the circular economy visit katietrickiddon.com forward slash membership i'll see you there And one of the things that you did was to put all your waste in a glass jar. How does that help? Why is that a good thing to do?
1: I didn't start with a glass jar at the beginning. Uh, So when I was doing Zero Waste Week in 2018, I had a normal uh, Tesco or Sainsbury's carrier size bag. And I will put all the waste in there. So don't start with something that it it might be unachievable if you produce more waste uh, than a jar. Start with something, and if eventually you notice that you're not producing that much waste, you can downsize it to a a jar. Uh, I finished zero waste last year, um, and we're still following some. We have relaxed in other ways, but we still keep the the jar, and that's because I want to make sure that the, the waste that we produce is visible. So in the council, we get a lot of property developers that come and they ask me, we're going to pay you for the council for us to, to give you a new track so that you can collect from these underground storage uh, facilities. Um, I have an issue about making waste not visible. And the developers say, people don't want to see the waste. They just want to bury it. And you, the council comes collect collects it and no one wants to see it. And I think I have a problem with that because... What they're trying to say is out of sight, out of mind. I kind of want people to see it, because if you don't see it, you don't change your behaviour. It's a bit like with air pollution. We don't really see it, and I think that's been quite hard for a lot of people to grasp it. Um, obviously, there's more in the political agenda at the moment, so that things have changed. But if you were to put visible particles of nitrogen, nitrogen oxides in the air people will be a lot more concerned so it plays around with waste so we made a a conscious decision to keep the jar in the kitchen counter because i want a reminder of how much waste
0: we produce Mm. and and how did friends and family react when they came over and saw that jar of waste on your kitchen counter They've been very supportive. I think they, they could see that this is the
1: subject that I, I I work on on a day-to-day basis. So I I don't think they were that surprised at all. Um, I didn't really ask them, what do you think of me uh, having a glass jar there? Uh, but I could see their reactions. Then one of the things that I remember um, was a a key thing was when I did a barbecue with uh, with about 20 people and I have to invite uh, friends. But I did tell them, I am doing a zero waste year, so could you not bring anything that is not recyclable at least? And that will include these items that were also on board. It was quite an amazing thing to see the amount of waste I produced just for that single barbecue. I didn't keep it to the jar for the month, but it was one jar, tiny jar for one day. And that included 20 people barbecuing. So we did produce recycling, but I did ask them also to bring re- uh, refillable bottles of beer and wine, which we did on that day. So they were very supportive. I did notice that because I was, I had another account that was promoting on zero waste, they were following me on that account and because I didn't tell them they should do this and that, the way they do it, they live their lives. I noticed that they were doing it by themselves afterwards. So I did influence a, a number of friends in that sense. So we're in that sense, yeah, they were very supportive.
0: Brilliant. And that's an Instagram account. Do you want to share the handle so that anybody listening could follow you on there as well?
1: Yeah, so it is at Boys, and the spell G O X U. B-O-Y-S and Goshu means uh, tasty, it's a plain word, oh, the tasty meant for the cook, the cooking that my husband does, and I think he might want to open a restaurant in, in future,
0: so it would be the tasty boys. Brilliant, I'll pop that in the in the notes as well so that people get the spelling. How, so your friends and family have been very supportive, how do you think opinions towards waste and reuse are changing more broadly across Hackney, across London, across the country?
1: I think people are ready to move from recycling. Um, some people have not recycled, will not recycle, and those people will have to deal in a different way. But the majority of people are now ready to move on from recycling. Um, I have noticed, so when I used to go out and do events and do outdoor road shows and explain to people the recycling services, we used to have queues of people saying, I don't understand how to do it. I'm so confused. Now we don't get anyone talking about recycling. They're telling us about how can they... Reduce the recycling and the waste. So I think the shift is changing. You can see internationally, I think that obviously the blue planet um, has been discussed numerous lengthy times, but it has had an impact. And I think there's a combination of the climate breakdown, Greta and having that kind of national political agenda on environmental consciousness. So I can see circular economy playing a big part on in, in future. Not only because it's literally we don't have the raw materials to keep subtracting. Uh, we, we don't have land in the Amazon and Brazil where we extract aluminium. We need to start changing the way we do things. Otherwise, we are heading towards that four four degrees um, extra for the climate breakdown. And obviously, there's many studies to show that it's not a good future to have. And some people might think, well... There's nothing I can do about it. And that, that might be true. It might feel like it'd be helpless, but if you start from a small things, you might start developing that motivation that will perhaps increase into campaigning at local level and hopefully to, to the government. Uh, I, so I can see that uh, recycling is moving away from what it used to be into that reuse and refilling in shops and especially whether we look at furniture as well because at the moment furniture has been treated as disposable over the last 10 to 15 years i've noticed it used to be a packaging that used to be single use is now clothes textiles and furniture are treated like single use so we have quite a lot of mindset to change and i think because the problem is so big people are noticing that we need to do something about it
0: is there hope? Do you think that we can move to a fully circular economy and, and prevent the sort of climate catastrophe that that four degree increase will bring about? That's the big one million pound question,
1: I think, because I feel like I got good days and I got bad days. I'm not going to lie. I feel a like bit quite pessimistic about it sometimes. But having read uh, The Future We Chose by Christina Figueres, it does give you hope. There's a difference between optimism and hope. And I think we should push, in in a way, both. I think if we do nothing, it's worse. And the last 30 years of the missions that we've been throwing, pumping into the air, will have an impact, not just on our grandchildren, but on the generations from here to the next 5,000 years. So I think doing nothing is not an option. And we need to keep doing something about it, even if it doesn't impact you personally that much. I think it's just, it, it can be quite shocking. And I think... Because at the moment, the circular economy is only 9%. Even if increased it to actually 20 to 30%, there's a lot to do. And that amount translates into bigger changes. And I think once you get into that kind of threshold of 20 to 30% circular economy, people start to get used to that behaviour change, like I said before. So I think there is a lot to do, but we all need to push to do it. And we all need to basically vote for the right parties.
0: Mm. And as you say, I think it's a huge, huge undertaking, but people can start really small. And I think something like Zero Waste Week from the 7th to the 11th of September this year would be a really good place to start. So thank you, Ander. It's been really fascinating to talk to you. Thank you, Katie. If you enjoyed this episode of Circular with Katie Tregidden, can I ask you to leave a review and perhaps even hit the subscribe button? Those two actions really help other people to find the podcast, so I would be very grateful. Thank you. Thank you to Anders Zabala, Gordon Barker for the edit, October Communications for marketing support, Sound Compound for the music, and to you for joining me. You've been listening to Circular with Katie Trigidden.